This is The Every Lawyer, presented by the Canadian Bar Association. Welcome to The Every Lawyer, a Canadian Bar Association podcast. I'm your host, Marlise Silver-Sweeney. Death is the great equalizer, according to Shakespeare. But for Canadian lawyers, there's another equalizer, and it's the articling experience. Everyone has to do it, and everyone has a story about it. Today on The Every Lawyer, we'll explore the good, the bad, and the ugly, or at least the ugly tears, when it comes to articling across Canada. It can be a rewarding and fulfilling learning opportunity, providing mentorship and guidance into the profession at its best. At its worst, articling subjects vulnerable young students to harassment and discrimination. I have the stats to back me up. A 2017 survey by the Law Society of Ontario found that roughly a fifth of articling students who responded to the survey said they faced harassing or discriminatory comments or conduct based on their gender, race, sexual orientation, citizenship, disability, or other personal characteristics. We're going to talk about this survey today on the show and how it was the impetus for the Canadian Bar Association executives to demand a cross-Canada survey of articling students. Joining me on today's episode to help take stock of where we are in 2019 when it comes to the Canadian articling experience are Preston Parsons and Charlene Scheffelmeyer. Preston is currently a lawyer at Overholt Law, where he practices labor relations, employment, and human rights for both employees and employers. He's also currently the CBA BC elected Vancouver Country Representative, and he's past chair of the CBA BC National Young Lawyers Executive. He's also vice president of Start Proud Vancouver, and he serves as a mentor to law students. Charlene is currently in the middle of her articles at Davidson and Williams in Lethbridge, Alberta, and she's the chair of the law student section of the Canadian Bar Association. She's a Thompson Rivers University graduate. So Charlene and Preston, thank you both so much for being here today. We're going to start with your own articling experiences first. And Charlene, I understand you're right in the middle of your articling year. So we're going to start with you. In a snapshot, what's your experience been articling like so far? Uh, I've been, I think, extremely lucky so far. Um, I'm articling at a um, large firm by Lethbridge standards, but I guess small firm by uh, big city standards. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm articling at Davidson and Williams uh, LLP here in Lethbridge, and um, it's been wonderful. I uh, I've been very lucky in that our firm has a really great um, set of lawyers working for them, and they work pretty uh, harmoniously together, and that creates a great work environment. But not only that, we do. We're, we're full service except for like criminal law and we practice very little family. But other than that, um, there's a lot of things for me to get involved in. And um, all of the lawyers working there are very willing to work with me and, and help teach me. Uh, so we've got a great team and I've been very fortunate to have found articles where I, where I did. Okay. So you'd say it is a supportive learning environment for you. Absolutely. 
Okay. And Preston, I'm going to ask you now, and I know it's been a, a while since you've articled, and the only reason I know that is because you were the year above me at UBC Law, and it's been a while since I've articled. So can you tell me a bit about what your articling experiences were like in a snapshot? Yeah, um, mine overall were really great. I was lucky enough, of course, to uh, second year summer at a firm in downtown Vancouver back in 2009, one of the big firms, um, the big regional firm at the time, and uh, go back to article there in 2010 and 2011. So I had a, you know, a great structure program with a firm full of rotations. Uh, similar to Charlene, I had uh, you know, full service options other than criminal and family, basically. So I I had a lot of great structure at the firm because they had been around for a long time with a really mm-hmm. solid program. Um, and the people I worked with were were great, and that really helped uh, throughout my article experience. So there was a lot of very long days. I took uh, very little time off during mm-hmm. my articling year, um, but I generally was very supportive, had a lot of great, um, great mentors within the firm and great support systems. And so my articling experience, uh, you know, I look back on fondly. Okay, so hard work, but lots of mentorship and learning. Mm-hmm. Okay. I wanted to read both of you and, and for our listeners as well. Um, we collected some anonymized articling experiences from current and former law students across Canada. And I wanted to share one reflection in particular and in the hopes that we could discuss it. But I'm just going to read it aloud for both of you and for our viewers, our listeners right now. I hated going to work. And in the seven months I worked there, I developed a panic disorder that took almost a year to shake off. Even now, when I drive by my old work, my teeth chatter. I shake and sweat uncontrollably, and I start to cry and panic. This person traumatized me, tore me apart, ruined my confidence in my abilities to lawyer, and wiped out my self-esteem. And that person um, that shared those reflections with us was talking about their principle. So unfortunately, this person's reflections, they're not an anomaly. Uh, I mentioned some Ontario statistics previously in in the introduction, but roughly one-fifth of students uh, that were surveyed in Ontario reported facing harassment or discrimination during their articles. What do you think about when you hear this type of reflection um, buoyed by these statistics? You know, first of all, I think it's incredibly disappointing. And now at a stage in my career where I'm, you know, I'm at a small firm now and, you know, our firm only has uh, six lawyers, two of whom were our articling students. Um, And so, you know, I've I've now, um, obviously, I can speak to the articling experience as well as uh, to raising an articling student, if you will, within the firm and things. And so I, I, you know, I find that experience to be very disheartening. I think it's the you know the statistics around um, the discrimination and harassment that came out of Ontario were mm-hmm. were eye opening, um, particularly when we drilled down into them a bit more just to see exactly um, the demographics of the students that are facing it more. Uh, but but absolutely, I think that I don't think that that should be tolerated. Really, I think that um, where 
students are experiencing that level of trauma, if you will, in in our decline experience, it's it's questionable whether whether or not that principle should be having articling students. Um, And obviously, different people, you know, we we come from, uh, all all of us, pretty much every law student comes from a very type A perfectionist personality, and it Mm -hmm. can be very difficult when you make that transition from school to to work, and particularly if you're going to to a firm that's, you know, know, very small, perhaps somebody who's never had an articling student before or something, it's a big transition for them too, and so, you know, it may not even um, you know this person's experience may not ha- even have been um, uh, you know malicious on the part right. of the principal so much as ignorant or inexperienced or, or whatnot and uh, but but anyways um, I think it's overall just very unfortunate and um, you know hopefully that person can uh, get their get their career back on track yeah you raise a good point that it's I think it's quite obvious to all of us that it's a big transitional time between this for the student. But I mean, that's a really good point for the principal, too. And is there any type of training that principals go through to actually receive an articling student and have that type of mentorship? So. Uh, well, and there isn't, and I mm-hmm. think that's one thing that Ontario, um, uh, Ontario's law society is now starting to look at, is mm-hmm. whether or not principals should have to go on um, mandatory training before right. taking articling students. And mm-hmm. it's a good, um, you know, it's a good suggestion. I think that a lot of people in the profession, um, you know, all, lawyers are very good at, at law, and then they think many times that they're also good at human resources, right. and they're also good at business, business and, things, and, and things, yeah. and, and in many Marketing. cases, yeah, and in many cases they're not, and things, and so. I, uh, you know, I don't think that having some some online course or or something like that that principals have to take would mm-hmm. be a bad idea. Okay, thanks, Preston and Charlene. How about for you when you hear that type of reflection that you know goes into the fact that this person actually developed a panic disorder from their articling experience? Uh, well, I I definitely echo Preston's comments. Um, I mean, myself, I I struggle a bit with anxiety, and I can certainly see how. Um, that may have developed, but um, the fact that, you know, I'm in the environment I'm in and I struggle still with my anxiety, I can't even mm-hmm. imagine um, what what this student and um, hopefully now lawyer went through um, to have developed a, a panic disorder. And I think principals, we, we need some way to kind of um, evaluate them or um some other way of vetting principles because I don't even think um, in a lot of the programs that exit surveys are conducted or um, largely I think unless that person goes forward and actually makes a complaint about that principle the law society really doesn't have any manner of tracking um, particular particular principles and, and their behaviors and so perhaps right. that's also something that may need to be um, looked into or um, done in the future. Okay, for sure. And of course, it's probably a whole other podcast, but there's so much risk involved too for someone that's as vulnerable as a student to kind of go forward and make a complaint to the Law Society. That's a pretty huge barrier at that point in your career as well. Charlene, I wanted to ask you a little more about a letter last February that CBA executives, including the predecessor of your position, um, who wrote a letter urging the Federation of Law Societies of Canada to monitor and improve the articling experience. Can you let me tell me a little bit more about what's being asked for in this letter? And for our listeners, it's available on our website as well. And so we'll give you the prompt at the end of the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. So 
Um, basically, what we asked um, the Federation to do was to um, kind of put a call out to all of the law societies to conduct a similar survey um, that the Law Society of Ontario just um, did. And so we basically wanted um, to collect data, first of all, um, because we were quite concerned about um, what the survey from the Law Society of Ontario stated, which was that, you know, one in five respondents to that survey said that they faced um, harassment or um, discriminatory comments or conduct based around their gender, race, sexual orientation, citizenship, disability, or other personal characteristics. And um, so we wanted to get a sense of whether that was widespread throughout Canada and uh, or whether that was, you know, limited to Ontario. So we just asked that the Federation basically took the lead on this and maybe developed a standardized survey um, modeled after the LSO and um, then put it out to perhaps all of the law societies so we had accurate data and then could move forward to see what we were going to do about the data that we collected. Okay, and so this was last February, I believe, that the letter went out. Has there been much progress since then? Uh, not that I'm currently aware of, um, but to my knowledge, we've not yet received a response um, formally from the Federation, but um, we do know that Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, and Nova Scotia um, are working on a similar survey. Um, and as far as I know, we haven't really had uptake from other provinces other than those four. And so a question to both of you is that... If the survey goes ahead and if the results are reflective of the Ontario results, so if the Ontario results are actually you know, reflective of the articling experience across Canada, what else can be done to mitigate the harassment and discrimination that roughly 20% of articling students are facing? So Preston, you talked a little bit about training for principals. Um, and Charlene, you briefly mentioned, you know, at this point right now, articling students can com- lodge a formal complaint to the Law Society. But is there is there anything else that we can do to improve the articling experience for our students? Um, I think the biggest thing that could hopefully flow from the survey right now, first of all, really is just awareness. Um, Because, uh, which is, I guess, maybe a precursor to to a better answer, but the the biggest challenge we face right now in Canada is just a total lack of data, period, Mm. in the legal profession. It's, um, it was very challenging um, to find enough, um, you know, concrete statistics in which we could advocate and take positions on mm-hmm. things, and and this, uh, you know, study of Ontario was, uh, you know, sort of the first of its kind in that regard. Certainly, the largest, and and uh, so we're hoping to to build off of that, and that the federation can encourage it so that it would be standardized, mm-hmm. um, and and not just to standardize with respect to discrimination and harassment, but the demographics behind it, and right. that's a key part. To the letter was to look at, well, um, you know, is it, are the students that are facing discrimination or harassment those taking unpaid articles, which mm. we hear more about, or are they, you know, in small firms, are they racialized? Like, what's the, mm. what's the demographic? So the, so the call to the Federation, as well as to the other, um, you know, individual law societies was to, uh, you know, not just ask what Ontario asked necessarily, but to use that as an opportunity to gather a much broader data set. Okay. Um, and if that call is taken up, it would be probably one of the most expansive data sets taken in the legal profession. 
Association. So, wow. and that could really give us the ability to, um, you know, to better solution solve because when you're talking in the very abstract sense as to what people are experiencing, like from an anecdote and things, mm-hmm. it's it's much harder to to propel change or right. to have the law societies. Um, you know, it's very difficult to convince the law societies to say, well, your like principal should have mandatory training if there's no data saying that anybody is having a problem. Right. So if you have, uh, you know, you can see in Ontario, this is reporting at 20%, and in Nova Scotia, it's 3%, and in Mountain mm-hmm. BC, it's 40% or something, then you can really use those stats to say, well, no, this is a problem here, and we need to look at moving this forward because mm-hmm. articling needs to be needs to be better. And, um, you know, there there's a... A dual ask in the uh, individual letters that went to the um, branches to the um, to those um, uh, individual law societies that have taken up the call, like Alberta, mm-hmm. uh, and those had also said that that those law societies should have an ombudsperson in place right. specifically to field complaints for mm-hmm. articling students and things, and uh, um, because of course it is very difficult for somebody who's articling their invulnerable spot, mm-hmm. um, low, lowest person on the legal totem pole, mm-hmm. if you will. So to have them, you know, step forward and make a complaint is a big deal, and so we had asked that. The different law studies across the country have, if they don't already, a specific person that can field those complaints so okay. that they have a, a home, a place to land. Okay, thanks. And Charlene, do you have anything to add? Uh, yeah, like I, I think actually one interesting thing with regard to articling is that it's a very subjective process as well. One principal's behavior may be perceived by one student as completely okay, whereas, you know, Mm -hmm. the same student in the same situation may have a completely different experience. And so I think that also creates, um, you know, an interesting um, problem because lots of times the principals are principals multiple years and it's perhaps difficult to identify, you know, whether it's, you know, one outlier in a, you know, otherwise sterling situation that there are a lot of pitfalls I think that we're going to experience once we do try and launch um, a program to, to deal with it and I think there's going to be a lot of conversation about this to be had in the in the next few years for sure mm-hmm. for sure that's a good point about the subjectivity is that we all interpret and experience uh, things differently so yeah what do we do what do we do from there um So on a more positive note, the same survey said that respondents, they're really skewing towards satisfied with the quality of their learning opportunities, and 80% reported that at least 50% of their work during articles helped further their legal skills. So there seems to be a lot of value, too, in this learning experience. I wanted to talk a little bit about um, alternatives to articling because, Charlene, you've spoken before to the media about the scarcity of positions across Canada. Do you think it's time that, I mean, lawyers in the States, for instance, they don't article. They go into their first year associate positions uh, straight from writing their bar exams. Is it time, are we saying that it's time to look into the alternatives to articling or how do you feel on the idea of keeping the articling system within Canada? You know, I go back and forth on it. I, especially now being in articles, I think that there's something to be said for having kind of this year of um, like low stakes consequences, I guess, for lack mm-hmm. of a better way to explain it. It, it kind of gives you that ability to 
um, test your wings without having to be fully out of the nest. <laughs> you have that that supervision and support, hopefully, in the firm that you're in. And I think it gives a bit more ability to take on some new experiences and new challenges that as a first year associate who most lawyers know from tort law, you know, we have the same level of um, responsibility as a 20 year lawyer does, whether we're first year, five year or 20 year. And so that can be very scary, especially, you know, if you practice some areas of law that you have um, your client's liberty at stake, for instance, if you're practicing criminal law. Um, so to me, I think you build some very essential skills and build, um, confidence in your articling year that you might not otherwise get an opportunity to do if we were to get rid of articling. Mm -hmm. But that being said, you know, there are people that there, there is, I, in my opinion, there is a shortage of articling positions. I, I still have friends that I graduated with, um, just this past year that haven't found articles and, in my opinion, not because they're unqualified or that they don't have um, good experience or um, a good resume. It's the the market that they're particularly looking in, um, which is like the Kelowna market, for instance. It's very oversaturated with Kamloops being there, and then right. UBC and UVic. I don't know. I don't. I don't think there's an easy answer to we whether we should eliminate it or not. But exploring alternatives certainly couldn't hurt. Okay, so yeah, you're on the on the side of exploring alternatives and keep thinking about it. How about you, Preston? How do you feel about the articling experience in Canada and its necessity? You know, it's an interesting question, particularly flowing from my year as National Young Lawyers Chair with mm-hmm. the CBA, because um, this conversation really kicked off um, during my year uh, around our national executive table and things with Ontario reporting, um, you know, the thought that articling might be eliminated, and and Ontario, of course, recently decided not to do that and to mm-hmm. to move forward by enhancing articles and things, which I think is um, is wise. And and you know, from my perspective, I think that uh, despite the bottleneck issue at articling, which um, you know has this multi multi it's a multi faceted issue. Mm-hmm. Um, the the biggest thing is because everybody goes to law school from a wide variety of backgrounds and they don't have um, uh, necessarily like a business background mm-hmm. or you know many people go through um, like high school undergrad right into law school and and start practicing and so you know lots of people haven't really been in an office environment haven't mm-hmm. seen that thing so I think it's an important transitional year for a lot of practical reasons. Um, as well as uh, you know, to provide a year with those training wheels. Hopefully, you're in a supportive environment where you can, you know, you have a year to to you know fall, scrape your knees a bit, and things, mm-hmm. and and learn under other people. Um, you know, given the um, again, you know, the type A personalities that are in the profession, as well as the you know incredible pressure that law provides to constantly be right, to constantly provide clients with the perfect solution and protect mm-hmm. their interests entirely and things. Um, it, it is a, the perfect recipe for mental health challenges, right. for anxiety issues and things. And I think we would only see that spike, uh, frankly, if Articling was eliminated entirely and people mm-hmm. went directly from law school directly into practice without that. Speaking specifically about you know, the United States and how they don't have it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got very interesting perspective on that, as did the rest of uh, the executive uh, while as National Young Lawyers Chair, because I invited our counterpart, my counterpart um, from the United States, to our meeting in Toronto. Oh, sorry. And uh, she attended and was flabbergasted 
that Ontario would consider getting rid of it. And really? her opinion, she weighed into it directly and, mm-hmm. and just said, honestly, you know, why would you do that? You would take a huge step backwards. Mm-hmm. We have huge problems in the United States with the fact that people graduate from law schools and go directly into practice without having ever seen an office. Mm-hmm. So she she was quite stunned that Canada would consider um, mm-hmm. taking, you know, eliminating articling. She thought that would be a real backward step and so it was very interesting getting that perspective from outside of our borders. That is interesting, yeah. And I, I just wanted to circle back to a point that you made because it's something I hadn't thought about as I was thinking about this issue. But that's a really good point that having those training wheels can actually ease some anxiety before it's your name signing off on the will that you've created or the contract that you've drafted or the pleadings. Um, so yeah, that's actually just such an interesting point in retrospective to look at. I wanted to end on a positive note. The Law and Beyond Report, which is a national study of law graduates, it found that articling continues to be a pivotal transition into the labor force for new lawyers in Canada, with uh, 63.4% of new lawyers surveyed saying that their first jobs started with the same employers where they articled. So we're seeing a lot of employment opportunities through articling. And I think both of you have pointed to your really positive experiences. Um, What is the one way, what is one solution you see? And we've spoken about a, a lot of different things that we need to do right now. But what is one solution that you would like to see implemented in the next few years quite quickly to help the students who aren't having that really positive experience? So the students that are facing harassment and discrimination within their articling year, do you see, you know, just one solution that we could implement quite quickly, maybe not easily, but that would at least help start addressing that 20% of students in Ontario? perhaps like composite articles um, instead of staying at the same firm like there may be an easy way to um, kind of have a couple firms you know that have partnerships that maybe swap articling students or um, you know it's framed more as a way to you know have a different different experiences and if you know you find you're finding that at the one firm that you're not particularly clicking with or not having a good experience, it might be an easy way to um, have a new environment and an, a, a different principle kind of to work with instead of maybe being isolated in that one environment and, you know, having your entire articling year um, not be as good of an experience as you might have hoped. Um, or um, it would be nice perhaps to continue to create kind of community amongst the articling students in town to at least have that peer support. Um, I know here, like in Lethbridge, for instance, uh, actually this morning, well, and this week, we're undergoing our Law 101 training here at the courthouse, and there's about eight of us, and we just get that experience to work together and and um, kind of create those relationships that we have people to go to in the year. If we are particularly struggling with one thing or another, at least we can kind of commiserate with our uh, other you know, seven articling students and and um, have that experience so that we don't always have to go to someone within our firm. Okay, I like so composite articles so people can have aren't necessarily isolated with one principal over the course of nine months or longer, and then also creating opportunities for articling students to have that peer support as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, great, and Preston. I think. 
probably the quickest solution would be to really encourage students to seek mentorship relationships outside their own firms. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, through some programs, like obviously in British Columbia, the Canadian Bar Association does a great job of partnering with the law schools with the CBA's mentorship programs mm-hmm. uh, to UBC, UVic, and uh, TRU. And uh, the, you know, uh, if the other branches have similar programs, it's certainly something that students should take up because it can be really useful to have an opportunity to um, speak to somebody you get to know over time who is not um, within the four walls of your firm mm-hmm. uh, that you can bounce things off of as a bit of a sound check and things. And the, you know, and people, I think, a lot of times think that a mentor needs to be, um, you know, 30 years in the QC kind of thing, and mm-hmm. it doesn't. You can have a mentor who is, you know, was a year ahead of you in law school who's already just finished their articling year and can give you some insight into things or just a few years ahead and things. So, you know, somebody that, uh, you know, can be a soundboard, a, a checking device for you, I think is... Uh, you know, probably the the best thing that students themselves could do, and I think schools could do a better job um, actually of bringing in really strong resiliency training. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one thing that uh, kind of surprises me when you think back of it with law school curriculums and things is, uh, you know, compare that to a med school um, teachings. And, you know, at least when you become a doctor, they uh, teach you during med school how to deliver bad news right. and things like you, you get to have some training in that. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, you go to law school and there's really no training whatsoever in the fact that you're going to come out and suddenly be dealing with high conflict situations or people with extreme emotional fluctuations and things and difficult opposing counsel. And, and there's really no um, uh, no resiliency, no emotional regulation training kind of thing mm-hmm. that we get on that. And I think that would be really helpful if the um, law schools uh, could start equipping students better with those skills as they're leaving mm-hmm. to, um, you know, uh, not that it's the student's problem, of course, but just to help sort of steal yourself a bit for what's, uh, you know, going to be a difficult transition almost no matter what. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's an excellent point. So seeking mentorship opportunities outside of your firm, not from within. Because I know uh, particularly if you go through one of the bigger programs at a bigger firm, they usually have mentors set up within the firm. But it would it would be up to the students themselves to seek those outside relationships, but those might actually be the ones that are the most valuable to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And programs like the CBA can help you to connect with other people and make those network connections and and it's uh, you know it's not just good for your, your own mental sanity and and to have a sound check, but also because if your um, uh, you know your article experience uh, doesn't work out in that sixty four percent or mm. uh, where you now need to look for a position right. afterwards and things, the broader your network is, the better that transition will go to. Yeah, that's an excellent point and a good one to end on. I wanted to throw one um, idea into the ring as well, just because I am a former lawyer and I also had an articling experience in that. Um, In many provinces throughout the country, there's the Lawyers Assistance Fund and everybody pays into that and they have counselors that are trained to deal with lawyers specifically and a lot of them are actually former lawyers so they've gone through a similar experience to you and I don't think that there's always depending on where you are um, enough 
marketing for these programs, but they can be really, really helpful too to actually go get some if you are having, if you're facing something that, like the excerpt that I read aloud, so somebody who's facing a panic disorder and is feeling truly traumatized by the experience, there are some really excellent resources out there and people to talk to that are actually are of, of no cost to you and specialized to lawyers. So I would, in whatever jurisdiction you're in, um, just know that that's something that you could seek out as well. So Charlene Preston, thank you so much for your time. Charlene, you are articling, so you better go back to work. We know you have a lot on your plate. And Preston, you have a busy legal practice as well. So I don't want to take up any more of your billable hours. But thank you both so much for being here today to talk through these important issues. Yes, thank you so much for having me. Yes, thank you. As Shakespeare said, death and articling, or something like that. We've covered so much, and there's still so much to be said when it comes to the articling experience across Canada. Thanks again to Preston and Charlene for joining us today, and we'd love to hear all of your thoughts and reflections about the subject. Reach out to us via Twitter at CBA underscore news, or you can reach me on my handle, MarliseSS. The letter to the Federation of Law Societies can be accessed on our website at cba.org slash survey. We are on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe to receive notifications for new episodes and leave us a review. We also have a podcast in French called Juriste Branché. Thanks for listening. 